So yeah, if you like self-deprecating humor, uh, I'm your guy. Yeah, and we'll see you. Um, we'll have to link up down the road, man, and see how much more weight you lost. <laughs> yeah, it's always the same. Yeah, all right. Zero pants. <laughs> or hopefully not additional. That's a win, though. Hey, if you're not adding, at least it's a win. That's what my wife always says. She goes, well, it doesn't look like you've gained any weight. Yeah, oh, thanks, babe. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'm really excited to bring this episode to you as I'm trying to bring a different and more lighter approach to some episodes here. So comedian Mitch Burrow stopped by the podcast studio in Miami prior to doing a show to chat about life, culture, and comedy. So, let's do it. Too many days in the darkness Without a glimpse of the light Running tired and broken and scared But I swear I'll never give up the fight I see you broken and beat Head pulled down over your eyes Every part of you wants to surrender this is a little rough even getting here right with uh you said have you gotten like a, a little car accident or anything oh so that was uh this past saturday uh i got rear-ended while i was in austin oh jesus yeah uh so like right now i'm working with the other guy's insurance company to to get taken care of i got like whiplash and just uh yeah i'm like i'm like sore all the time (laughs) after the accident or before the accident too (laughs) well i mean i'm i'm fat so i'm always in pain just uh because of that but yeah like it the whiplash is definitely a thing i you know i never experienced it before and now i'm like man my neck and my back are sore all the time. Yeah, so now when people say, I have whiplash, you now give them a little respect. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you remember, I don't know how old you are, but in the 90s, this old Just lady. Just turned 30, unfortunately. Fortunately. Okay, so you were you were a bit younger, but there was an old lady who like spilled coffee on herself at McDonald's. And then... Yes, I do. I do remember that. So she won this big lawsuit. Well, she was the butt of a lot of jokes on late night television and stuff. People made fun of her for suing for getting burnt from hot coffee. But what people didn't know is that coffee was so hot that it... It fused her labia together. Yeah, because she put the coffee between her legs when she was putting her order Well, in. the lid didn't stay on. McDonald's coffee, what they, you know, it was really t- like out of regulations on how hot it was. But they said it kept their coffee fresher longer or whatever. Uh. But it gave her third degree burns. On her inner thigh and on her leg. Like, it fused her vagina together. So when she sued McDonald's, all she wanted was her medical expenses taken care of. But it was so bad that the judge on the case is the one who, like, awarded her Mm. so much. But people made it out like she was, like, chasing a lawsuit to get rich off of something. And she was just like, I'm an old lady. I just... Well, too, it was... um, She just... Got her food just like everybody else does, which is common. You put the bag on the seat, but you they first give you the cup, which then your first thing to look around is, I'm going to put it between my legs to hold it real quick, and then it cap comes off and that, spills. It's like, ah. That's why cup holders are so important in choosing a vehicle. The more cup holders, the you more I'm willing. Think about it. I'll add $1,000 onto, on, onto a car's price for each cup holder. If it's if it's got an MSRP of of thirty thousand, but you got six cup holders in there, I'm willing to pay thirty six. No negotiations. Take my money. You'd be a good guy to um, walk on the the lot of a new car dealership. Then, yeah, man, I feel like I could sell cars. I feel like I if if I wasn't doing stand up comedy, I could have been a very good car salesman. Yeah, what's your go to um, closing line? Hey, man, this car's going to get you so much pussy. (laughs) And what if it's a woman? Hey, this car, uh, very economical and real. I don't know, whatever (laughs) women like. (laughs) 
I wouldn't sell cars to women. No. <laughs> no. Because first of all, they shouldn't be on the road. No. Uh, I, I wouldn't sell cars to women because I I don't know how to communicate to them like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know what appeals to them in the way that I know I know dudes. Well, it's a good point. I think even I, if it was a gay dude, I just gotta switch it. Hey man. This car's gonna get you so much dick. Like that's all you, you just gotta adjust it a little bit. Appeal to their sexuality and their men, sexual conquest. There. Men are men, no mm. matter what, and so you know you just gotta go after what they like. Well, I think I think women love the white cars too. You always see them in the they call them the the chick cars. A white car? A white car? They call it chick cars. You ever see Yes, dear? Yeah, show I, that, that show was great. Yeah, he was a whole episode about how Greg Warner gets uh-huh. the. Uh, he gets a brand new white convertible, and everybody at work, at home, gives him shit for it because it's a chick car. It was a. I guarantee you, it was a. It was a Miata. I. I think it was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. first of all, number one selling sports car in America was the Mazda Miata. Now it's smaller. Uh, and it's a little bubbly looking thing. <laughs> yeah. It does kind of look like a chick car, but it was a two door uh, coupe, and it it was like the number one selling sports car in the maybe in the world at that point in time. So they were giving him, sh- uh, yeah, I mean, deservedly so. But it wasn't. <laughs> it was. It was like. Like if you were an old, if you were going through a midlife crisis at that time and you couldn't afford a Corvette. You got the Mazda Miata. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very true. It's very true. It's um, you and it wasn't a Miata who hit you, right? No, it was. This is the thing. Uh, it was a it was a Toyota Camry. Uh, I was in Austin performing comedy at the Mothership. Uh, so whenever something bad happens to you. You're as a comedian, you're always like, I'm gonna have to make like a joke make a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got rear-ended by an Asian dude in in a Toyota, and I was like, I can't even make a joke about this. I'll get I'll get canceled immediately <laughs> just at the like even now, I'm like, oh man, I probably shouldn't even be talking about this. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna ask you, would you when you got hit, what was, what's the very first thing that goes to your mind? Is it who is getting out of that car? Is my daughter okay? Okay. Like to take all jokes aside, yeah, yeah, yeah. my daughter was first of all, she, my daughter's two and a half years old, and she made me look like a bitch because uh, <laughs> she didn't even wake up. Really? But she's in a she's in a five point harness child seat. Uh, do you know how whiplash actually happens? It's pretty interesting. This is why children have the rear-facing car seats and stuff. So whiplash is when you drive naturally, your head is off of the off of the seat, you know? So when you get rear-ended, your head initially like slaps back and then and goes, goes forward, forward because it's not resting against the thing. So the 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 child she's asleep, she's already like leaning back. She did she was like, yeah, whatever, nothing Nothing Didn't phase her. No. It's a badass. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm like, oh God. <laughs> She's like, you need to quit being a bitch, Dad. <laughs> so how, what was the guy's demeanor? Because I'm always interested in the person who causes the accident, how like quick they are to like blame others. No, nah, man. He was so apologetic. Oh, uh he jumps out and <laughs> He he was a hundred percent on his cell phone because the first thing he said was, "I'm so sorry, I wasn't on my phone or anything like that." I was like, "Oh, so you were on your phone?" Uh, and then he, the first thing he says is, "I wasn't doing this." Yeah. It's exactly what he was yeah. doing. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm not on cocaine. I wasn't on my phone." <laughs> All right, give me some of your cocaine and put yeah. the phone down. Uh, but then the second thing he, he actually said, I mean, just a really considerate person. He was like, "You don't have any." kids in the car or anything do you? I was like I got my two and a half year old is in the car he's freaking out I was like hey man you got insurance relax everything's gonna be okay we didn't call the cops we didn't I mean I've I've been in a couple accidents so like I, I know like kind of what you got to do to like take care of things or whatever so <laughs> By the way, it sounds like I'm an ambulance chaser. I've been in a couple. I've 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 dealt with this. I slam on brakes in front of cars all the time. 
Uh, but I was just like, hey, man, you gave me your insurance information. They'll take care of it from here. Like, there's like you don't need to worry or freak out or anything. Uh, so, like, we didn't call the cop. We just pulled over to the side. Of the road. When you get rear-ended, it's 100% their fault. So, I was just like, it's, it's okay, man. Don't. Well, and you, that happened in Austin? Yeah, it did. Because if that happened here, 99% of the time, no insurance. Neither person has insurance. And most likely, the person who caused the accident probably doesn't even have a license, believe it or not. And... When they hit you, they get out. It's their fault. They have no insurance. And they're coming at you immediately. Yeah. Why did you do X, Y, and Z? And everyone in Miami who's listening to this can probably resonate exactly with what I'm talking about. Because the frustration, you're like, you get out, you like, it's not your fault, but you're the one checking on the other person. Mm-hmm. But then they're coming at you. And then eventually you start chatting and um, you end up on Only in Dade. Have you ever heard of Only in Dade? Uh-uh. It's... A Miami, it's Dade County. So yeah. it says only in Dade oh, meeting. I was a big Trick Daddy fan. I know Dade County. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I knew exactly where it I resonates. was coming. When I, yeah, being, anyway, continue with the only in Dade thing. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it's really an Instagram um, page that shows everyone who gets into fights, bar stuff, whether it's anyone doing anything stupid in Miami-Dade County, they send yeah. their videos over to Only in Dade and Only in Dade post them. Oh. It's like a couple, I think a couple million followers, but it's like, it's crazy because they also it help heighten the Miami-Dade reputation because everything that's posted on there is chaotic. You got cars on fire, people doing the stupidest shit possible just to get on only in day two and then you got oh it's like intentional sometimes sometimes it is yeah and that's why people pull out phones this is this city's probably the quickest city to pull out a phone just because of only in date is this a city where they block off like a a intersection and do donuts in their cars and stuff like yes and and and, someone gets hit (laughs) yeah yeah and you have the bikers and atv people that they'll probably I'd say about like eight, nine hundred, yeah. like teens and early twenties will actually all get together, bicycles, ATVs, dirt bikes, yeah, and go quadding on the highways and on the streets, like Biscayne Boulevard, right yeah. when you came there. Every once in a while, you'll just see a couple hundred of them just going like they're in. Those a, are uh, my people, by the yeah. way. <laughs> I, I grew up on motorcycles and four wheelers and and stuff. So when I see them doing it, I'm like, "Hey, you don't have any trails or anything out here." So in I get city, it. Yeah, 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 just get yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why the cops got to make such a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I I had a crotch rocket uh, when I was like towards the end of the Marine Corps. So this is like early 2000s. I feel like everyone's got a crotch rock in the Marine Corps. Right? I mean, you know, that's, motorcycle what, that's or what you got to do. Because yeah, yeah. uh, you're not crazy enough. You yeah. Know? yeah, you retire, go to Sturges every year. But dude, I would I would get on that thing and pop a wheelie going about like 55 and ride it all the way up to 90. Mm. And yeah, so I, I get what they're doing. I, you know, it's fun. You're young, you're dumb. You, yeah, you, yeah. you don't realize that death is a possibility. So you're just out getting a rush yeah but yeah i mean you saw look i'm 43 i haven't lost that you saw what i pulled up in <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah little uh that's that's a four-wheeler or a three-wheeler it's a three-wheeler so it's technically a motorcycle I it think. is correct yes yeah, yeah yeah so it's it's called the it's a polaris slingshot um and it's lime green <laughs> <laughs> And the whole way down, I just said, I said, hey, Siri, play Trick Daddy. So I'm just listening to to Trick Daddy songs coming down here because that's what I know Miami is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I, um, saw you when I was going down my elevator. I looked outside and I just saw this green... I saw the green slingshot. I mean, it is green. It glows. Yeah, even so the rims green. are green. Even yeah. the rims are green. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, that, like, tourists must be, like, thinking they're in South Beach or some shit. You know what I'm saying? And then you text me, you're like, oh, I'm in the valet. And I'm like, are you? And I walked out. And as soon as I seen that shit, I was like, yeah, that is definitely Mitch. Well, I was telling you earlier, I initially was getting, like, a Jeep Compass. Like, a small... SUV uh for my wife and I and when I showed up I see this this car cover and I'm like I'm like dude I think that's one of those yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those uh slingshots and I 
I told him, I was like, man, that's what I should have rented. And he was like, yeah, I, I can't put it on the website anymore. Uh, I was like, dude, I would have got that. And he was like, well, if you want to just do it, you know, between you can cancel your, your Toro and yeah. I'll just, you know, send me some money. And I was like, <laughs> okay. But the funny thing he goes, but if you need to call your wife and check with her for, I was like, no, no she knows who she married. <laughs> and I tried to trick her. <laughs> that's funny. I tried to trick her when I got it back to the hotel. Uh, I, we were walking through the parking garage and the, the, the slingshot was parked over to the right. And as we're walking down, I start walking to the left and she just goes, that you, you got that instead, didn't you? <laughs> no, no idea. Yeah. She knows you. She was like, that's you, you got that. I was like, yeah. She's like, are you out of your mind? I was like, yeah, <laughs> he, he, I was like, we're in Miami. Yeah. The weather's beautiful. It's lime green. Why would mm -hmm. I not get this thing? <laughs> everyone thinks that. Every, well, it is. The weather is beautiful, but everyone thinks that until it, they don't realize it rains once a day and they end up getting caught in the rain. I grew up in Georgia. Uh, so I, you know, Florida was like our destination. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, I can remember being like eight years old, going to Disney World or MGM or, or whatever in Orlando. And about every half an hour, it would be the heaviest thunderstorm. Oh, it's up yeah. there in Georgia, too. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, like here in Florida, like mm. when we would come visit, oh, okay, okay. you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. It, it would just be like every half an hour, just All a the downpour and then the sun shining and then a downpour. So I got this convertible and uh, the whole drive over. I was like, I'm about to get soaked, but um, so far, so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you lucked out now on your way back. You're still rolling the dice. I don't mind this kind of weather though I, I lived in seattle for seven years rains all the time there man yeah but it's not a good rain it's it's cloudy nine months out of the year and then it it's like a mist you know there's mm -hmm. it's not i always say the rain the the weather in the south is passionate you know like when it rains it comes you got to pull over sometimes because you can't see oh, yeah, it. it's a thick rain it's thick it's like a sheet mm -hmm. it's just falling down it and in seattle it's just like nah. yeah. i'm just like the uh, the weather i'm i'm kind of like i think i want to rain but i don't know <laughs> and it and it's like that nine months out of the year now june july and august the most amazing place you could ever live gorgeous really? great weather great like the temperature is great yeah in the mm. summertime, June, July, and August, amazing. But the other nine months, it sucks and you want to put a bullet in your head. It's that's the why worst. I think it is the, the capital city of the country of suicides. I it might. I think it's Seattle. It might be. Yeah. Either that or San Francisco because they have that the awesome Joker bridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have survived that, though. How could you not want to jump off of that? It's amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, and every anyone who's ever survived said the as soon as their they feet, as soon as their feet left, yeah, they regret they it. Regret it. Yep. Yep. Which, which is very interesting and very sad to think too. On their way on their way down, they've already regretted something they probably can't take back. Yeah. The majority of people who it's just like ah oh, shit. Well, you got the GW on the. Uh, up in the northeast, on the direct opposite side of the country, people do the same stuff. Really? Yeah, the George Washington Bridge. Um, huge attraction for suicidal people, which actually they have a whole net now. That's that that's why, look, I, I don't know what the most instant way to, to do it is. Uh, I, I guess maybe a gunshot. But if you're going to kill yourself, you got to do it in the, you got to expedite it. Because you, you don't want to take pills and then be like, oh, God, what did I do? And then you're getting all high. And the, the, the when you're most paranoid is when you're high. So then you're like, oh, I'm probably going to go to hell now. I shouldn't have done this. There, there could have been time. And then... Yeah. And then you start trying to yeah, yeah, throw yeah. up. You yeah, and then you're regretting it and then trying to get out of it. Now, you ever hear of seppuku? Huh? You ever hear of seppuku? Uh-uh. It's what the ancient samurai used to do to kill oh, themselves, where they stuck the uh, st the, the dagger, the, the in, dagger their in their stomach yeah. and then would pull it to the side and basically bleed out from the stomach, yeah. which would take some time to bleed out. It's You're just in agony for that point, but, but it was that it's wasn't ritualistic. Because, yeah, that wasn't because they were sad. 
That was because they dishonored yeah, more, their, more of an their nation yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That you know, uh, if you watch sumo wrestling, the the judges or the referees or whatever, they still wear that dagger in their in oh, their really? in they their do. outfit. Strictly traditional now, but the if they made a bad call in sumo, like you know, decades or a century ago or whatever, they would do oh, that honor. Wow. They would do the honorary suicide. Jeez, yeah, like could you imagine if they did that in Major League Baseball? Yeah, there'd Holy be no, there wouldn't be an umpire left. <laughs> no, no, yeah, every single day they'd have a new umpire, and then the next one, the next game, they'd have to <laughs> they'd have to be like <laughs> they'd have to just double check with the batter. Uh, what do you think? Was that a strike or a ball? Okay, yeah, just yeah. just wanted to make sure. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad we're like chatting about this too because next month is uh, or November is Men's Health Month with Movember, which like a lot of times suicide gets starts getting chatted about. And last year I did a really good podcast with um Movember about you know men's health, men's health awareness, and suicide. And then we both talked about our um the uh, people we knew that committed suicide in the past, and like the episode became like very dark yeah you know it was very good passionate wise it was very good but like it became very dark and i was like do men resonate with this you know what i'm saying is this going to resonate with men and i feel like you being in comedy too you probably know a lot more about this than i do which i'm hoping you can help me a little bit with this because okay. i feel like what resonates with men is more things with comedy with making fun of things, you know, mm -hmm. we're able to kind of like feel it and then like express our feelings through like making fun of things. So like a lot of times too, would people don't understand like when we're joking about like things like suicide and stuff like that too, we're still like honing it's, in on it. Well, it's how you're, it's, it's how you're, uh, you're dealing with it. It's your therapy with it. You, you know, like some people may, grieve through crying or shutting themselves off and some people are, are you know trying to make light of a situation to not feel as depressed as they they would about it you know i've only had one joke about suicide i think well no that's not true to I had a, today or uh, in total <laughs> <No>. <laughs> uh, on stage I, it was about a statistic which is that uh bet between men and women uh, when men commit suicide, uh, they usually will use a gun or, or something like that. Women typically commit suicide by, um, taking pills. Yeah. And that's because they care about it being an open casket because <laughs> guys don't care at they, all. I guess a hundred percent. They, they're, they're worried about how they are going to look, ah. which is crazy because if, they were that pretty. They probably wouldn't want to be killing themselves oh, anyway. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so that, so that's the only suicide joke I ever yeah, did. Jesus. <laughs> but I mean, did it hit yeah. with the crowd? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it'd have to be a whole uh, crowd of men. Yeah, I feel like yeah, yeah. Uh, Who are your uh, or a bunch of good-looking women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, 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 true. <laughs> Who um who is party most of your crowds? Is it like different every single time, or when you step on stage, it's usually the about the same? Now it's um it's always well. Here's the thing: I'm not famous enough yet to to have my draw. Mm. You know, yeah. like I I don't have people all across the country who are like, oh, I can't wait to go see see Mitch Burrow. So it's it's beneficial in one way because i think when some comedians get to a certain point they can say just about anything and because the audience are such fans they're gonna laugh along with it yeah, yeah, uh yeah. because jokes have a certain timing and people know when to laugh yeah. uh when when you're not famous uh and you're going up to perform in front of people who don't know who you are you gotta be you you gotta be like funny. Like switch I'm, gears. No, it it has. It, you gotta be palatable to yeah. everybody, and so for me, being from the South, growing up a little more conservative based values, which as I've gotten older, things have changed or whatever. But trying to tell jokes to people who ideologically were pr probably very different from me. Uh, in Seattle when I was first starting out was a great exercise in writing because I had to figure out how to stay true to myself 
uh, and be funny while entertaining people pretty different from me. Yeah. And I did that for seven years before moving to Los Angeles, which is, uh, I mean, it, it, it helped me out a lot because I'm still able to be me, this guy from the South that was in the Marine Corps, uh, but also appeal to just about any audience that there is. I feel like you're speaking my language right now because I'm like right in the middle of that right now where yeah. I'm like trying to like speak about a lot of different like issues, humanitarian issues a lot of the time, you know what I'm saying? Um, but from my perspective and what from what I see and what I've experienced myself, but a lot of times, you know, people have different perspectives on different issues and it's trying to like execute on it. You know, you, you have that idea in your head, you think it's like, a, a really good idea, but then yeah. it's executing on it. So it, when it lands, it hits the way you intended it to hit. Yeah. And um, it's tough because you have it in your head, even you write it out or you put it out um, in your mind or even you practice by yourself. But then when it actually comes time to hit, it's, you know, you really realize how different people are. What I, what I have found for me what works uh like as far as like telling jokes it's it's funny because when you're doing jokes you can write something out but then when it comes to getting on the stage and performing it that's the only time you're ever gonna know that it's ready um podcasting and stuff this is a little bit more interesting because you don't have instant feedback yeah uh so you know you take a you do a video you post it and then you start getting comments on YouTube yeah, yeah. like a, a, a week or two later from yeah. when you actually recorded it. And now you're like, oh, I, that, that was taken completely out of context or, or whatever, you know. Whereas when you're doing stand up and you say something, you might like really offend somebody. And in that moment, they shout out to let you know, yeah. hey, I didn't I like it. And so now you have an opportunity to. To either just go like, hey, my bad, <laughs> or, you know, jokingly kind of steer it back to where you want to go. Uh, or, or roast them. Yeah, or roast them. You know, and, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't think I've ever been like, hey, I'm sorry, but I will definitely, you know, like. Be empathetic? No, nah, just like, you know, show the humor in it. Like, I have a joke about saying the N word where I w was in a stage production of uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird. And, oh, there's a lot of N-word in that. Well, yeah, so I was Bob Ewell, who's the, yeah. the bad guy. And, and the gist of the joke is uh, I said it six times while I was on stage. Uh, it was only in the script three, but the character kind of took over, right? <laughs> yeah. <it's> the <laughs> so here's the thing. Um when I was actually in the stage production, after after the show, uh, people would come up to us and people would tell me what an amazing job I did. I'm saying the most vulgar, hateful stuff on the stage and people were like, oh my God, that was such an amazing performance. Da, 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 da. And that was a drama. If you were to say the N-word in a joke, but still trying to make the same points, but through humor, you're done. Mm. No, no one wants to hear it. Even telling that joke where I say that I said it for the most part, everyone thinks it's funny, but every now and then someone will comment, you shouldn't be saying that. And it, it's like, look, when it was in the form of a drama, people loved it. And now that I'm telling you that I did it, in a drama but i'm doing it in a funny way now you're like oh you can't you can't do things like that comedy is such an interesting thing because you can do so much you can do so much social commentary through comedy but we've moved into a place where people are very sensitive about things and i don't want to talk about cancel culture i'm talking about art and how it's received because people are more than welcome to be offended by anything that they want to uh and no one gets canceled <laughs> People, yeah, yeah, yeah. people get canceled and then they become more and more successful. Yeah, I know. That's the uh, irony in it. But so um, take Chappelle's show, for instance. Really great commentary. Uh, and even going back, Blazing Saddles. Um, 
I don't know that you could have that movie now with the way that it is, but the the social commentary on that, they had all these people saying the N-word so much and being so bigoted and, and racist, and it was a comedy, but what they were doing was making fun of the assholes mm. through that. I mean, they were using the language that the assholes use, yeah. but they were showing how ignorant they were. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with Shane Gillis. Yes, yes. So... All right, he got fired from Saturday Night Live. He was hired, and then before he even did a show, he got fired because in he had uh, Matt and Shane's secret podcast. They were doing an episode where they were talking about ignorant old white men when the Asian people first started immigrating to America and starting Chinatown, how if they were like living in those neighborhoods, how they must have been reacting, making fun of not the Asian people moving into town, but the old ignorant white men. And they used the language that those old ignorant white men would use. So then someone took those clips and just cut it out. No context of Shane saying like ethnic slurs against Asian people. And it was, it was funny the way he was making fun of these old, ignorant white people. But because it was comedy and not drama, the social commentary was removed and people just said, oh, you can't say those words. Whereas uh, Clint Eastwood does Gran Torino using the same kind of words, but showing an ignorant old white man in the form of a drama that social commentary is okay. Which I think like we've kind of moved somewhere in our culture now where you can't, you're not allowed to learn or teach through comedy anymore when it comes to issues like that. Which is some of like the greatest forms of communication, really, honestly. Like like Chappelle does a really good job on a lot of um, a lot of jokes with like getting a point across metaphorically. Um, he talked about the one rapper who who the baby the baby yeah that yeah. was a really good line where he he used a a slur about somebody who was gay and everyone went after him meanwhile he actually shot and killed the guy in walmart and no yeah. one cared <laughs> like, uh, yeah. that was such a good bit and you've got a couple actually from uh i think like 2017 that i saw that was really really good where you you talked about racist stuff and, and honed in on a, on very truthful points that by the way, Resonate. as a comedian, anytime says, if you did something several years ago, you're always like, oh, God, here we go. Like, what? <laughs> how how horrible is this thing that you're bringing up right now? <laughs> no, no, it's in a good way, though. Because that's like Kevin Hart had his dumb tweets about beating up his son if he was gay or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it was like 10 years before. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we got to fire you from hosting the Oscars because you made a joke 10 years yeah, 10 ago. 10 years ago, yeah, yeah. That but was it, funny. But again, you know, it's like what like, like what is the statute of limitations on someone's sense of humor and 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 I think That's a very good point the statute of limitations though. To be to be f fair to both sides. I think that the problem that some people have with the teachings through humor is and it's the same reason Chappelle quit the Chappelle show after two years, after two seasons, sometimes it does feel like people are laughing at the wrong part mm. um, or for the wrong reasons. And I, I think that's where some people, where some people laugh at the wrong reason, laugh for the wrong reason. I think some people get offended for the wrong reason as well, but it's the same reason, you know, like it's they, just as wrong. Yeah, they think, they think that you're making fun of the victim in this as opposed to uh, making fun of the, the person who is doing the bad thing or making fun of the situation so we can realize how ridiculous it is to, to feel this way. Um, and I, 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 you know, I think that's kind of where we're at is we, we got to decipher the meaning of what someone, the context of what someone's saying. Yeah, and especially to such a high level, too, because I'm sure everybody around certain jokes gets a little here and there, but then you have some that just, like, 
it like takes over them where they end up shouting at you at stage or like, cause that's almost like Twitter in real life. You know, when yeah. I post a video and get a comment or something like that, like I could take a second or anything like that, but you in real life, you're on stage. That is literally Twitter in its most live form. Well, and too, I think like, I think some people get tired of having jokes written about them by people who aren't part of the community. Like yeah, for sure. at, at this point, how many straight white men, need to voice their opinion on the on the trans community you know i mean it's it's like really and we 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 still listening to what we got to say about it you know i you know it's just it's just anything and everything it should be able to be made fun of but you know at, at a certain point is it hacky that you're still doing it you know like you got to think about your uh your value as a artist i'll say quote unquote because i have a hard time considering stand-up comedy and art even though a lot of people do well i do because you're it takes an individual skill level that you rise based off of your own creations which i think is yeah what, I, what art is i just think that um you know you're you, some of it is just so silly that it, but also like Jackson Pollock was, you know, getting paid tens of thousands, if if not more, for splattering paint on a canvas. So yeah, yeah. maybe my dick jokes aren't that silly <laughs> after all. <laughs> how did you um? How did you end up getting into comedy? By the way, so after I got out of the Marine Corps, I was uh, I was uh, working out at Edwards Air Force Base and. I had a pretty decent drive to work. So I, I would listen to uh, either Opie and Anthony who were based out in New York on satellite radio. And they had Patrice O'Neill. Uh, Jim Norton was the third Mike all the time. Uh, Rich Voss, Louis CK, Bill Burr. This is the, the early to mid two thousand. So before any of these people were huge, yeah. uh, they were always the guests. And then, I would listen to like Raw Dog or uh, XM Comedy and just listen to stand up like nonstop. Yeah. So I got the pattern down. I got the structure of the joke down just from listening to it all the time. Then I would tell these stories about maybe like going to Thailand or being on a ship or, or whatever while I was in the Marine Corps to these other people at parties. Everybody would always laugh. So it just got to a point where I was like, well, I love this thing. And I, I'm doing it in social environments. What if I try to do it on a stage? And so I, I looked for an open mic somewhere, found it, and then decided to, to get up there and try it. And my first time was great. Now, for about six months after that, it was terrible. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know how I found it, like, immediately and then lost it, but... Um, I always think back, like, man, if that first time would have been bad, I probably wouldn't have uh, stayed with it. Nah, because I well, mean, how was the first time? Did you just go up there completely? Did you plan anything, or was it just a wing it? Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's funny. I had this joke planned about um, softball. Like, uh, it's, it's like, why do they call it softball? Have you ever been hit by one? It's not soft at all. It should be called. Uh, just as hard as baseball, just bigger ball. Um, <laughs> but then. I heard like the day before, I think, listening to stand-up comedy, I heard Brian Regan do a joke pretty much just like it. And I was like, oh, man, I don't want to get up there my first time and people think that I'm stealing jokes already. So my buddy and I, we ended up walking around the day of um, just spitballing, and I came up with another three minutes the day of. And then uh, went to the club and 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 did it. And uh, afterwards, the guy was like, "Hey, give it up for me, everybody. That was his first time." Da 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 da. Later, I'm walking out into the parking lot, and a group of guys like starts approaching me, and I was like, "Oh shit, I'm about to get beat." Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, "Hey man, was that really your first time on stage?" And I, I was like, "Yeah, yeah, it was." And they were like, Shh, "You got to keep doing that, man. That was great." And I I, I took their advice. I just kept. Kept going. going. Were you ner how nervous were you the first time? Were you drunk at all? Did you have to like you know? Well, I I had drink? I had a couple beers, 
a couple shots of tequila or whatever. Like it was, I wasn't like, hey, yeah. Yeah. um, but I had a, a nice little relaxed buzz going on. Um, and then, you know, I, I would continue to drink for years, uh, doing stand up. And at a certain point I was just like, I need to like not rely on this. And so I started making it a point to not drink until after mm. I was done performing. And now I, I do a little bit of both. It depends. Like when I go to Austin, I'll usually have like four or five shows in a night planned. So I'll start at uh, like 8.20 will be my first show. And then I'll perform until 11.30 at night. And and so... Are we talking like 20, 30 minutes each? each uh... Like 15. Okay. Do a 15-minute spot here. Run to this place, do a 15-minute spot. Run here, do 15-minute spot. And so uh, basically I'll just... I'll usually start drinking about halfway through and you can just kind of the last one. <laughs> you, you, you can tell like, cause I'll do four spots uh, or I'll, I'll do two spots a night at, at comedy mothership, one at eight twenty and one at ten forty. And so you watch the eight twenty spot and that ten forty spot, you'd be like, Oh, he's a lot looser yeah, in that yeah, ten forty yeah, sure. spot because I've done three sets up to this point, but also because I've had a few drinks as well. Yeah. Sometimes I watch that set and I'm like, man, I I should not have drank that much. And then other times I watch it, I'm like, dude, I'm just <laughs> I'm just feeling it right now. It's weird. Like it it definitely different times can have a different effect on how I perform. Oh, it, it for sure does. My um, one of my first podcasts, I was like really nervous. I was like, holy shit, like I'm actually doing this. Blah blah blah. And I was like. Maybe I need um, to like get my nervousness out. So I was like, let me just have like like two shots. Right? Uh-huh. So I I had two shots separate, you know, separate from one another, not double. And I was like thinking about it, and I was like, shit, like I'm starting not to be able to like really think of what I need to say because a lot of the issues we talk about, like it's it's fact based, like it's I need to know have a good background, have a sense of like what actually is to be able yeah. to bring to the table. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I was like, shit, I was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to be there at this point. I'm relaxed a little bit, but like my agile. So then I was like, let me just have like some, some Red Bull. So, oh, you Lord. Know, so, so You're doing the legal <laughs> equivalent of a highball, which yeah. is cocaine and heroin mixed together. I know. And then I like chugged nervously half a can of red bull and then i was like holy shit i'm even worse than i was before i I need to go take an adderall (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was so bad but oh now i need a cold brew (laughs) but i went basically through the same mindset that you did where like i you know after that i I learned maybe what worked what didn't and then eventually down the down the road i was like all right i need to be able to do this like without really any anything outside other than just like food and water yeah. to be able to really go and now like here and there i'll have some caffeine and so but i also do the same thing you do i try to align the podcast where they're like back to back to back to back because by the end of the by the end of maybe your second or third in a row yeah you're like on point like you know it, you everything's hitting smooth you're comfortable but you're motivated and going through and i try to do the same thing where i line multiple podcasts up because by like my second or third guess in that day i am so comfortable i'm warmed up and things are just hitting i feel like i'm on um i'm on a really good in the level. zone in the zone yeah, yeah 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 now are you doing multiple podcasts today i am not today i had a guest scheduled for this morning but um or uh at at nine, so it's gonna mm-hmm. be back to back. But um, we ended up rescheduling until next week because I wanted it to be in person, not on Zoom, because I love yeah. the in person podcast because there's there's just so much better. Plus, like if the internet goes out too, like you know, there's a little bit of um, delay. And the in person podcast, you just you can't beat. I have a friend who does a radio show on on the Sirius XM, and she she had me do a, a Zoom 
uh with her and it was it was just the worst there was a there was a delay yeah i was i was like i hope this doesn't even go up at this point like <laughs> i've been there too i was oh. like let's just wait until i come to la and we can record it together in person like yeah. it just it just messes messes it the timing and everything yeah it does i had only one time I had the internet really go out where it was going out probably every three to four minutes. Yeah. And on a Zoom, and it was with a CEO of a nonprofit that basically works mainly domestically in the United States, but they also do some contractual work like in, in Africa. And what had happened was he was like an all business guy, yeah. you know, all business. Like he came on suit and tie on the podcast and the internet starts to go out here and there. And then it went out, out. To where he got kicked out of the Zoom, had to come back on. That happened like two or three times. And I like didn't want to say like, you know, I you're in an office with probably like 20 different people using the same internet. It's just me and my studio. And I have a, if you look at my router, it looks like a car engine. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I know it's not me. And um, he... Uh, I didn't want to say that to piss because you get pissed off because he was like sweating bullets and I was like, my man, I'm the one that's gonna be editing it. Yeah, you know, you just just keep going. Like it'll be perfect the way it comes out. But he was sweating down his face on the Zoom, and I was like, I gotta start trying to get more in person because the Zooms are are quick and and easy to record and edit, but the, they just don't hit the same. Yeah, and when when shit messes up, the man, timing is off, way off. Um, you know, you talked about your router. Now it, your internet here in this building is is this uh, DSL or is it ca cable or fiber optic? Fiber optic, man, that is the. I just switched to fiber optic, and it is incredible, like the upload speed. Mm -hmm. And that's why I changed it because I record videos and I I post videos, and if you're posting like an hour video, it'll take like six or seven hours to upload at three to six whatever bytes per second or whatever it is but when your upload speed i don't know why it takes fiber optic to be able to do it where your upload speed is the same as your download speed it's like 300 uh whatever where are you uploading it to which like platform or site like youtube or i'll do it to youtube or something like that but when you're using fiber optic, it's yeah, like yeah. it's very quick it's great well i have that plus the um the alienware laptop which is meant for recording gaming it's mainly meant for gaming which means it can take on a lot of graphics a lot of sounds um and a lot of editing and it's meant for uploading i would never get anything different than this uh, everyone lives and dies with the macbooks yeah but alienware it's expensive but mm -hmm. the way i treated this first when i was still learning on how to edit and make posts and i i, I was uploading so poorly with this the way like i was even uploading so much video and music that was cut out but it was still part of the video so it's still uploaded within the memory of the video yeah. so a video that was like seven thousand megabytes really could have been only been three thousand megabytes i was still uploading it and it was still so quick because it was so good alienware most people don't i mean it's usually like windows or um macbook which alienware is windows based but uh I would go with this any day of the week. Dude, this is a, gr a great studio spot that you got, though. Like, I know, like, the, the camera's not catching it right now, but uh, I, I like your LED neons. Yeah, thanks. Th those are great. I tried to order some myself, and I don't know what happened, but uh, it, it, it got, I ordered it through Amazon, and it ended up getting canceled. But those are, I mean, that... That one see the on air seems like generic. You could buy that when it's pre. You can, and my friends actually got me that for my birthday. Okay, that one's good. And then let's do it. Was that another one that's pre? Like no, that one I custom. That is custom. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to do was a custom order, uh, and they they wrote me back later like, yeah, we had to cancel your your order and give you a refund. But I want something like that behind me, in in mine, so that it like I just think they. They really well, changed pops. the look. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing, like uh LED lights just like in the background to give your room like a, a kind of a, a tinted glow. That's uh it's so funny. Like you think, all right, I'm doing a podcast content, content gotta make sure the con guess what? Everything's video now. 
it better look good. It's got to look it, good. It better it's sound good. It's got to look good. And it better look good. It's so saturated. It is so saturated with people like uploading content that like you have to be professional, stand out, you it, know? It might, it, this would be interesting to watch. It might get to the point though to where people are like, ooh, look at this. Like homemade yeah, seven, yeah. So you're full circle seven twenty, yeah. <laughs> like quality. This looks like it. This might have been recorded on an old VHS tape. <laughs> like because you like things was, just yeah. circle around. They so, do, and things come back to being back in fashion. Yeah, somebody might eventually be like, oh, this is try hard. You know, like I'm, I'm tired of seeing this high quality content. Let me see something raw. No, the studio took um. I measured every single inch of this studio and every single thing that you see here was measured like 20 times. It's including the map behind me. Really? That was such a project. It's insane. Well, you're a perfectionist. It seems like you tend to like want to make sure things are done at a certain quality and level where that was always my downfall with, with releasing content as I, I always question everything. Like, is this good enough to put out? And then I just eventually wouldn't put anything out. We're going up on stage and performing. I'm never like that. No, I'm always like, yeah, this is going to be, this is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the way you got to be though. Cause I've been, I've been the same way where you're like, so oh, is this going to be good to put out? Cause I am a perfectionist. The amount of time I spend doing stuff and then not posting or posting taken down right away. But you know, you, you gotta put it out there. Um, but we're, we're kind of getting close to the hour, yeah, that yeah. We, but uh, you know, I know, I know you really wanted to talk about the, the situation with Israel and Palestine. <laughs> um, and then I definitely want to, want to hit on the, the, the primaries with Trump and, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Biden so, and, uh, Biden's speech last night. Well, who, who's the guy in Florida? DeSantis? Yeah. 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 You know, all that stuff. I know you wanted to cover all that no, on the, on the no politics of, of course, it's, it was number one. I um, <laughs> no, I uh, what I, I, that's, that's a, I actually meant to start it like that <laughs> to, to just be like, okay, now b before you started recording, you said you were telling me your thoughts on Israel and Palestine. Yeah, go yeah, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> oh man, no, I tried to touch in that issue last you, week on on one little. Uh, you can't. You can't. It you doesn't can't. matter which nope. side you say you support, or even if you. Dude, saying, <laughs> saying saying anything. It, if it's almost like if you're like uh both sides bad, innocent people getting hurt, da 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 because then people are like you're going into the all lives matter kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and they're like, No, what you don't understand. So <laughs> it's like one of those things where you can't even have an opinion. Uh here's what I will say though. Uh Israel uh, has the, uh, the IDF. And if you've ever looked up the IDF, they have the hottest women in the world <laughs> as, as soldiers uh, smoking hot. This is how hot Israeli women are. Gal Gadot, who plays Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. had to come to America to be a movie star because she wasn't hot enough to do it in Israel. <laughs> so <laughs> if we're going on looks alone. You're Team Israel. Yeah, I guess so. Well, now, before um, we wrap, I wanted to ask you, too, how um, that transition, because I know a lot of friends, uh, a lot of friends that I know and a lot of people that I know are right in that area. And you've been there, done that, and have now are in your own your own realm of climbing the ladder in the field that you want. And I've been there as well before I got into the podcast where you work, a, you know, you you military, right? You're yep. in the Marines. You get out, you're probably at that point going, all right, now I got my the whole rest of my life to me. I'm going to work a job. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z, everything that the military has told you or in a lot of people's cases, the college has told you. You get into a job, and from your your website, I literally read from it, you started working a manufacturing job before realizing it sucked. <laughs> yeah. and, and a lot of people, I feel like, resonate with that where they are right now, and there's like that little like voice in their head of like, ah, oh, maybe I should do this, maybe I should do that. Yours was comedy. And I want to get from your perspective, really, that transition from that moment where you you realized your job sucked 
to now where you are now. That very first step in thought and then turning it into an executable action. Well, all right. So I've just transitioned a couple different times. And um, what I will say is that uh, you, you can't be concerned about money. Um, I, I had a job uh, where I was a manager at Boeing and I was making over $100,000 a year. I had amazing uh, medical benefits, but I was just miserable. And it wasn't Boeing's fault. It wasn't anything like that. I just wasn't doing what I wanted to do. And I just uh, worked to a point where I, I had cleared off debt and saved up a, enough money where I felt comfortable to leave, which wasn't my, I know this is going to be sound like a lot, but I saved up like twenty to $30,000 so that if I, if I wasn't able to find work immediately, you know. Yeah, you could sustain. But I... In my comedy career at the time, I had gotten to the point where I was working every club in my regional area. And I was going to headline at smaller clubs throughout the country and I, and do festivals throughout the country. And I would have to take time off from my, my day job to go do that. And I just got to the point where I was running out of paid time off and I wouldn't be able to, to take time off from working. So I had to make a decision, go chase this thing that wasn't going to pay me even half of what I was currently making or stay making money and being miserable. And so I decided to go chase my dreams. So then I moved to LA and I was, you know, very happy being a poor comedian, living in a four bedroom uh house with three other guys you know just everybody splitting the rent and you know very modest lifestyle uh but you were you say you were happier at that moment than you were a hundred percent yeah um met my wife who at the time was a uh, working at the comedy store and during covid we ended up uh deciding we wanted to have a baby and once things just kind of like started coming back from COVID and, and my daughter was born, it's, this is where I start freaking out about money again. And so I left doing comedy full time to go back and work on airplanes to where once again, I'm miserable, but, <laughs> but I'm finding a good, healthy balance now. You know, like I, I have Austin is a couple is a few hours away. Dallas is a couple hours away. So I've found this balance now where like I'm here performing in Miami. I perform in a couple different cities in Dallas on a regular basis, but I'm also in a home that we bought with living with my wife and my daughter. And when I say we bought, you never, unless you pay cash for it, you're still renting it from the bank, yeah. you know, whatever. But we have a mortgage in a three bedroom house and, and some dogs. And, you know, we, we have a, a nice regular American life. Uh, and then also I go and do comedy a couple times a month on the road. And my wife gets to come with me sometimes when I go to Austin, I take my daughter with me. We have a babysitter down there. My wife stays, oh, that's cool. stays where we live. Cause she works on the weekends for her, her pastry business. And then I take my daughter down there and you know, me and her, she's two and a half years old, but she gets to hang out with daddy down in Austin. That's cool shit too. And you said you're, you're what? 42. I'm 43 now. 43 yeah. is fucking sick that you're still, uh, you're, you're going after it full time like this, you know? Yeah. Full I mean, swing. it's like, well, so I thought I was going to quit. I thought I got, I was like really depressed and just kind of over the whole industry. And so when I took this job, I told my wife, I was like, I don't care where it's at. You know, I don't have to do comedy anymore. And then about two weeks into living, there, I was like, I got to do comedy. So, <laughs> so you know, I, I ended up having to uh, travel and figure out how to work these clothes. But I, you know, after doing it for 16 years or, or whatever, like, once I got to a club and performed, they were like, hey, let us know when you're able to come down. You perform anytime. Come back, yeah. So, you know, I, and now my schedule kind of permits me to do it, you know, once or twice a month down in Austin where I go down, perform Friday and Saturday at the 
Probably the best comedy club in the world right now, Joe Rogan's Comedy Mothership. Mm. And then, uh, you know, once a month I'll perform down in Dallas or something as well. So I'm not getting as much stage time as I was in the past. But the fact of the matter is, after 17 years, I don't need to be going up on stage every single night. I can tell myself jokes in the car. Like, I just talk to myself. And if if I kind of make myself chuckle, I'm like, okay, that's a good one. Like, I know what works now. So for the most part, I can prepare new material and it be pretty close to being ready before I even get on stage. Just do it once or twice and be like, okay, this is, this works good. Uh, change this a little bit or whatever. But, um, you know, I, I don't need the stage time constantly to be, to be prepared when I get up. Well, I love that. What you hit on where you said when you were working that job too, that it wasn't like the job's fault. Like you knew it was just, you're unhappy. Yeah. It wasn't the job because when, a lot of times I feel like people, they get on that, um, I myself was guilty of this myself, getting on the train of like blaming the job, I'm going to get another job, I'm going to get another job, trying to find that fit where eventually you found with comedy because at the end of the day, it's usually just us. It's yeah. within us. It's like most jobs are kind of the same. They're all very shitty, very shitty. And and it, it doesn't matter how much money you make. But man, again, I know there's people living in poverty. So like certain numbers that you say, People are like, I wish I made that much money. But statistically, they've said like the point of happiness monetarily is $75,000 a year. And if you make that, it doesn't matter how much money you make after, after that. Yep. Uh, that's kind of like your baseline for being. So I know there are people that make forty to $50,000 a year. But honestly, a lot of those people are a hell of a lot happier than the people who make 75000 And I'm not even going to pretend that money can't buy you happiness. If I hear some millionaire talking about that, I'm like, okay, well, then just give me some of that then. <laughs> if, it don't, if it ain't buying you happiness, because it will buy me happiness. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it buys you time. It, and comfort. You know, like there's a certain level of comfort where – Here's the thing. It's all about living within your means. In Los Angeles, there are multimillionaires who are living a life not much different than someone who makes thirty or forty thousand dollars a year because the more money they got, the more debt they got. And no matter how many nice, pretty, shiny things you have, if you're in debt because of it, you feel that stress. So, you know, you buy a, a house where you have a, a ten thousand dollar a month mortgage. Or you're driving cars that, that cost you $4,000 a month or whatever. Sure, you have all these nice, wonderful things, but your bank account's still sitting at zero the whole time. You might be a millionaire, but you're $3 million in debt. So, you know, no matter how much money you make, you'll never be happy unless you're making the right choices. Yeah, living within the means. Yeah. yeah. So... Well, th uh, thanks for that, Mitch. I appreciate that uh, little that, insight and that, that's, that's the finance tip of the day. That's, that's the <laughs> cut, your, cut your credit cards up. Stop going in debt. Ride the bus. Don't buy a car. You, you got that little snippet in. I am not a financial advisor. Please do not take into account where they do at the end. No, no, no. <laughs> Listen to me. I'm a financial advisor. <laughs> do not get in debt. Yeah, that's no, it. for real. Yeah, yeah, for real. No, that's that's that's. I don't need a degree. I don't need a. Uh, what, what is it? Uh, oh, what's the business degree? Uh, a CPA. CPA. I don't need yep. a CPA yeah. or whatever to tell you don't get in debt. Yeah. That's the best, that's <laughs> the, the best, best advice you get. Yeah. Don't, don't get in debt, finish school. And Most people would love to be broke, but they're not broke. They're in they're debt. They're below broke. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's, yeah, that's yeah. what sucks. Yeah, man. Uh, well, good luck on the show tonight, man. Hey, oh, can, are you going to come? Can you, um, can you give us a little insight into, uh, some, like a, a little joke? Cause it's going to air after the show. So can you give a little, like, uh, a little joke here or there? Yeah, I'm sure I can think of something. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause this always works great on a podcast. <laughs> the stand up comedy on a podcast is, is great. Uh, no. So I, I, you know, I talked about being in the Marine Corps, um, but I, I've gained a, a lot of weight since I got out. Here's the worst part about being fat is I have been the same size for about five years now. But still, whenever I run into somebody that I haven't seen in a few weeks, they'll always come up to me and they'll be like, damn, Mitch, you look good. Or are you losing weight? And then I'm just thinking, how fat am I? 
in your memory. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that every time you see me, you're just like, oh, that's not as yeah. bad as I recall. <laughs> not as bad as last time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it's just still the same. Well, that's good shit, man. Well, well that's it, man. Well, so, thanks. yeah, if you like self-deprecating humor, uh, I'm your guy. Yeah, and we'll see you. Um, we'll have to link up down the road, man, and see how much more weight you lost. <laughs> yeah, it's always the same. Yeah, all right. Zero pants. <laughs> or hopefully not additional. That's a win, though. Hey, if you're not adding, at least it's a win. That's what my wife always says. She goes, well, it doesn't look like you've gained any weight. Yeah, oh, thanks, babe. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, dude. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and uh, if you if your people are so inclined, it's always just Mitch Burrow on any social media, Instagram, TikTok, whatever. Uh, I don't use threads. I don't use Twitter. Uh, and I'm not old enough for Facebook to be relevant anymore. So Instagram and TikTok, Mitch Burrow. Can't get you on MySpace? <laughs> probably. I got, I got, I, I had one. It's probably still up there. Oh, and YouTube, of course. You know, look me up on YouTube. Yeah. Uh, do all that because that's how you get paid, mm -hmm. baby. Yes, sir. That's it. So anyway, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks, Mitch.